Welcome to Bible Studies for Life for Adults, our, our podcast for the week. And uh, glad you joined me. With me is my ever-faithful partner and sidekick, Chris Johnson. Great to be with you, Lynn. Thank you yeah. for the introduction. It's exciting for us to have this opportunity uh, to enter into the season of um, Holy Week. Uh, and talk about the resurrection. Right. So we're actually going to spend two weeks talking about the resurrection, uh, just the reality of the resurrection. And we're also going to, the second week, we're going to talk about, so what? You know, why, why is that so important to us? But to talk about this, we have a special guest with us, and that is Mary Jo Sharp, who wrote this study for us. Mary Jo, thank you for taking the time to meet with us. And hey guys, it's good to be here with you. Yes, we are here in not so sunny Nashville, Tennessee, and you're there in Oregon. So, uh, <laughs> which is not so sunny as well. <laughs> <laughs> right, but uh, Mary Jo, uh, the reason we wanted her to write this is this is just right down her alley. Uh, Mary Jo, I'm, I'm I'm gonna make sure I say this correctly, but she is the founder and director of Confident Christianity. Mary Jo is an apologeticist. Did I say that right? Apologist. Apologist. Close. I apologize. <laughs> Apologist. And uh, she is the uh, uh, an assistant professor at Houston Baptist University, even though she lives in Oregon. But she does that online. And Mary Jo, is there anything else you want to you know, tell us about uh, your ministry and what you do? Uh, sure. Yeah, I've been uh, doing public speaking for over 10 years on uh, just helping Christians understand what it is they believe and why they believe it. And I'll engage in some debate as well with those who do not believe uh, in Christianity as the as uh, the true belief. Right. Now, what we're doing, we're going to get toward, toward the end of our podcast. I want to come back, Mary Jo. I want to talk about the book that you just wrote, because it also brings in, uh, for those who aren't familiar with who you are, your background as as an atheist, as without without, without any religious background, uh, yet where you've come in your faith and how you've uh, well, anyway, I'm, I'm going to start getting ahead of myself because I'm excited about this book. <laughs> right. So uh, in Bible Studies for Life, we typically do take time to focus on the resurrection on Easter Sunday. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15 both weeks. But this first week, we're just going to be in the first eight verses. And we're going we're to focus on this. The resurrection of Christ is a historical fact. This is a really, uh, Mary Jo, it's an apologetic study you wrote, and I, I like it for that reason. It doesn't, it doesn't just assume, well, the Bible says Jesus rose again, so he rose again. We kind of, you, you kind of help us unearth what that means, the, the, the historicity of it. So, uh, Chris, why don't you, you guys jump into 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, S- sounds good. Uh, so, the, the most of you who, um, have done some reading or studying in 1 Corinthians, know that uh, the reason that Paul wrote uh, this book, this letter, was because there were problems in the church, and he addresses problems throughout the passage. Evidently, there were people uh, in Corinth that did not believe that the resurrection was true or necessary. Uh, So Paul begins with, um, I want you to know... uh, all of you who are saved, it's this message I uh, passed on to you these truths in verse 3. As most important, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. So that's our springboard um, into 1 Corinthians 15. Now, Mary Jo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this at you because for me, it's just it's an obvious fact that Jesus died. But I've discovered in my reading, not everybody even acknowledges that he died. 
Yeah, that's actually true. So that's one of the criticisms of uh, belief in God, and specifically about belief in Jesus Christ as the Savior, is that uh, how do we know that he was even a real human being, let alone that he died, right? So that's that's one criticism that Christians will get. And the, the funny thing about this criticism is that there's there's actually quite a bit of evidence for Jesus's death, which tells us mm-hmm. that not only was he a real person, but there was also evidence that this real person died by Roman crucifixion. Uh, in fact, there's several writings uh, that are outside of the Bible texts that actually tell us about Jesus dying on the cross. And when you have that kind of like multiple testimony going on, it really, really lends the credibility to the statement of that Jesus was a person who died. In fact, so much so that we've got guys like John Dominic Crossan, who's a scholar who's not real friendly to like conservative evangelical Christianity, but he'll say, he says things like that Jesus died is as sure as anything historical can ever be. Hmm. That's a pretty solid statement. And Mary Jo, there's one thing you point out here too, which I, I think is fascinating, that knowing both the date of the book of First Corinthians, because early dates, and the timing, the, the, the time of the earlier creed about the resurrection, that's important for us to know, to, to realize that Jesus died. It was because this book was so early written. It, was, it wasn't like a myth that came out centuries later. Yeah, that's one of the things, and you see that in the passage that Chris was reading um, from 1 Corinthians at the very beginning of 15, when he, when we start to get into this, this, I'm passing along to you that which I received. And so we see that if, if Corinthians is really dated around AD 55, which is when it's dated around, then it's within the first 25 years after Jesus's death. And then you have Paul saying he passed along something he's already received. So whatever he got, uh, was earlier, this creed that he's passing along is earlier uh, than even when this is being written. So this is very, this little passage we're reading about Christ's death and resurrection is very close in time to when it actually happened. Yes, and as I understand it, Mary Jo, like a typical myth, it takes generations and generations for myth to even develop. And for so for a critic to say, well, this is just a myth, this is just something they, they made up, historically the pattern is that's not it because this was a uh this was recognized very soon after the actual death and resurrection people acknowledged it yeah yeah that's that's typically how it goes and so that's why this is so important to us as christians to understand how very early this material is it it really doesn't have the the time for embellishment for legend to um rise up around it and for it to turn into that sort of mythology. Right. So the next section is verse 4, just one verse. We just established that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Verse 4 says that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. To to realize there's historicity behind that, to think, well, the Bible says that, but help us to unpack just different evidences. What does the resurrection tell the, the things that happened at the resurrection. Uh, what are some other theories that people have to say, well, he didn't rise again, this is what happened instead? What are some of those theories? Yeah, some of those theories are uh, that they got the, the disciples had the tomb wrong, so they went to the wrong tomb. Uh, Muslims would say that it wasn't Jesus put on the cross, it was his twin, or, yes. or it was Judas who was made to look like Jesus. 
Uh, and that one is the Muslims trying to avoid having a prophet dying on a cross because prophets don't die that way in Islam. That's um, very damaging to them as a, a for their reputation. So they don't they don't do that. That would show them as not being a true prophet. So uh, yeah, you have you have various ideas out there that the disciples stole the body. Um, that's the going one that we actually have that's hinted at in the scriptures in the Christian scriptures is that. The guards were supposed to say that the disciples came and, and stole the body. So there's all these various themes out there of trying to explain what happened, uh, which actually goes back to emphasize again that we have a, a person who died. But then we all have these evidences of people trying to explain, well, what happened to the body? Where is Jesus's body? And so you have these various theories that arise. Yes, I think my favorite one is the, uh, the idea that, Jesus didn't really die. He just sort of passed out. And there he was oh. in that nice, cool, dark tomb. And that kind of revived him a bit. Just enough that with all his wounds, he could push the stone back and walk out. Da -da -da, here I am. <laughs> I just, that one just tickles me. I just, uh, <laughs> but what we have instead is we have Paul reminding us that on the third day he was buried. He was buried on the third day. He rose again. Fact. Now, as we get into the next section, as we pick up again in verse 5, to me this is, as far as what Paul is saying, I've seen in his context, this is powerful uh, evidence of the resurrection as he talks about the people who, uh, who saw it. So he mentions Peter, the 12. Uh, he says in verse 6, 500 brothers uh, saw him at one time. Some of those still alive, others have died. Uh, he appeared to James to all the apostles, and last of all, Paul says he appeared to me. So even in that group, he doesn't mention the women who saw him uh, first, correct? Yeah, yeah, and I think these are very powerful because of the fact that you've got Paul talking about Jesus's resurrection and appearance, uh, and he's telling you that, you know, he, he saw the risen Jesus. Well, remember who Paul is. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and uh, when he came to belief in Jesus, when he came to be a follower of Jesus, he gave up everything. This was not a, yeah, he was a, he had everything going for him as a Pharisee. He was a leader in his community and he gave up everything for, so for him to have this sort of complete turnaround, this 180 in his life, there has to be something very powerful that has happened in his life because he's, Good. he's an educated man. He's, he knows logic. He knows how to argue. He knows philosophy. And here he is testifying to Jesus's resurrection. And then he quotes another guy, he quotes James, Jesus's brother, sure. who uh, didn't believe in Jesus before we find in the gospels statements about how he wasn't a fault. He wasn't a believer that Jesus was the son of God. And then here James has, after Jesus died, uh, James is testifying to Jesus's resurrection. And he becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem, which is one of the most hostile places to this new developing uh, group of followers, right? So this yeah. is a really, these two guys really are odd. They are odd people if there is no resurrection. And they were the ones that really spoke to me about this. This sounds like it really happened uh, because of what these guys gave up, what they're testifying to and who they are. And it, it's just very powerful to yes. see this in 1 Corinthians 15. And I think what, what I almost hear Paul saying, now they, they obviously didn't have social media where just just call the guy and check with him. He'll tell you this. But there is a sense of, you don't believe me? Go ask these people. You know, there are other people who will attest to this. 
And there's even the sense where, well, the disciples, you know, Peter wanted, he was hoping Jesus was alive, so he just thought he saw Jesus alive. But then Paul mentions this, the 500 who saw him at one time. That, that, that's just phenomenal to me. There's no yeah. mass hallucination, hallucination <laughs> going on here. Good word. Yeah. yeah. That's powerful. Yeah, those, those aren't even possible. So that was, that's another way that people try to explain the resurrection is that maybe these people um, were mass hallucinating, which is not a medical possibility. Uh, maybe it's a possibility, but it's not a probability. It's not going to happen. We don't have one in history. So that's, that's powerful. Also, you mentioned the women. So you've mm -hmm. got a group of guys who are living in this first century context and they, they have, if they're going to make up a great tale, a great myth, right, they're going to make it seem as believable as possible. So in that day and age, women weren't necessarily educated. They aren't, uh, their testimony isn't viewed as, uh, as valuable as a male's or as trustworthy. And here you've got the first people who are going to testify to this. Um, they are the, the women, which uh, we, you mentioned that a little bit earlier. So we've got this these women as well who have have seen jesus and are testifying to him and actually they're the first ones to testify to the resurrection this doesn't sound like the stuff of myth now i don't i don't think paul's covering that here but i uh, wanted to throw those women in there because they're so important in establishing the truth of the resurrection it really is so what we have here is we have in a short bible study apologetics fact jesus died fact Jesus rose again. Fact, Jesus was seen by others. Uh, that's just uh, that's just rich. Now I would encourage you. I mean, we're uh, Mary Jo has written a great little piece here, uh, but it's short. I would encourage you to do some digging, do some more reading on this. It is fascinating to really dig into what those theories are and all the ways those false theories, all the ways they can be disputed. Now, Mary Jo, you have dealt with this in some of your writings before, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, anyway, you'll have a just look those up. Uh, talk about the book. Yes, I want to talk about the book. Mary Jo, you just it released just a few months ago. The book called "Why I Still Believe." Now I just I loved reading this book. To me, it was a very personal book, uh, personal for you. Uh, you really kind of just you were very authentic in it. Tell me why you wanted to write that book. <laughs> Well, actually, I first I didn't want to write it. Oh. I was approached to write it by an editor who was looking for a narrative approach to apologetics and written by a woman. And so uh, when I was approached at first, I was very hesitant because it's so personal. And there's so many there's stories of my family. There's stories of our, our work in ministry and how I did get hurt um, oftentimes in the church. And so bringing all of that back out was not something that was uh, that I wanted to do, but mm. I did see how there was a growing objection to belief in God um, based in the hypocrisy of believers. So I did think that this, that was one thing I struggled with in the church. And that was one of the things that caused me to doubt my own faith. So that was something I wanted to address and saw was valuable. And if, and if I could do it in this narrative approach of showing some of my background as well, I thought it might be impacting to write it. Well, I think you succeeded in it. Just it, it is it is a well-written book. It is to me has a very personal element to it because you you, you kind of share your heart. And what I loved is I, I've never gone through quite the quite the frustrate the doubting, but there is still that frustration you have with church members. 
I'm sure it's no one who's listening to this podcast, <laughs> but I, I, I heard that in you that there are people that just frustrate you, but to realize because of, I, I had this conversation with my sons last night as we were talking through, um, does Christianity crush diversity? To realize, you know, just because we see some Christians who really give Christianity a bad name, don't don't dismiss the truth of who Jesus is with that. And I, f- I felt that with your book, Mary Jo. So I would encourage you, those who are listening, grab a copy of the book, uh, Why I Still Believe by Mary Jo Sharp. It is worth your time to read. And it, it's, it's not a... Uh, I would not call it Mary Jo an academic book. Uh, I mean, it's it's got some it's got meat in it, but I think it was a, in this sense an easy book to read. So, Mary yeah. Jo, again, thank you for being with us today and for for writing this study. One of the things that I just want to remind those of you who are listening is that this is Holy Week. This is that season between the uh, the historical remembrance of Jesus' uh, death and his resurrection, and it is a time where people are highly attuned uh, to things of faith. They're hearing these things, they're seeing things. Uh, it's a part of popular culture. And so just be aware that people, this may be a time when people uh, are open to the gospel. So be prepared to encourage your, your group members to share their faith with others, to talk about Jesus and his resurrection. Uh, if you need help with that, uh, it, there's all kinds of places where you can go. Uh, at the front of our Bible Studies for Life uh, books, there's a, a, a one-page overview of how to talk to someone about uh, the resurrection and to uh, use that as a, as a springboard into a conversation about sharing Christ with them. So just, use, just know that that's a tool that you have available to you. Yeah, and Chris, I think, too, for people who, you know, we, we feel an urge to share to, to invite someone to come, hey, it's Easter. You know, everyone comes on Easter. So why don't you come to church with me? Uh, and someone, a co-worker, says, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure about this whole resurrection thing. Or to say, come to Bible study with me, to participate in a study like this, to see kind of some of those objections, hopefully will get knocked down, to, to see Jesus really did die and he really did rise again. Again, Mary Jo, thank you for being with us today and for writing this. Yes, we hope you have a great Bible study this week, and uh, thanks for joining us for the uh, Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast.